Welcome back to Out of the Main, John. Thank you. Good to be back. Yeah. Episode three. Episode three. Um, we're going to, like we said, we predicted we're going to go a little out of the mainstream, which if anyone's wondering why we named the podcast Out of the Main, um, it's a double entendre. Out of the Main certainly is the whole intent and the goal and the mission of the podcast is to explore artists, genres outside of the mainstream of today traditional yacht rock, the quote-unquote standards. Um, me being an English major, I'm a sucker for a double entendre, and the double entendre for the main is the main is what is um, commonly referred to in um, uh, medieval and classic poetry. They th- they called the uh, the ocean the main. So, mm. see, we're out of the main. The we've bounding main. We've Over checked the bounding main. Yes. I got gotcha. you. Checked two boxes. So um, I think no more illustrative of the concept of out of the main is today's topic, which is variations on a theme. So we all know, and we've even explored on this podcast, what Yacht Rock is. But the further you get into it, the further you start to discover these sort of little tentacles that are start to explore outside. They belong within Yacht Rock, but mm-hmm. they can take you outside of Yacht Rock. And I think the most... Um, uh, prolific example of this because there is such a large catalog of it is yacht jazz yacht jazz um i don't know if that term existed before uh i made it up i think the other day because i want to be famous like the guy who invented the yacht rock (laughs) term but uh, seriously there's in yacht rock we do occasionally whether their origin of the term Wanted it to be included or not, You, if you turn on Sirius XM or some of these other playlists uh, that are Yacht Rock related, there are certain instrumental songs that make it into the mix. Uh, I think the most common one I hear is Feels So Good from Chuck Mangione. We occasionally hear, um, well, Breezin by George Benson is another yeah. one. Herb Alpert's Rise. Rise. Those are probably the most common ones, possibly Morning Dance from Spyrogyra. Yeah. But that got me thinking that there was the same... All of the things that we talked about that were characteristics of Yacht Rock from a technical standpoint, the instrumentation, the arranging, and all that stuff, all of that stuff that existed for that also existed for these artists at the same time. This was happening at the same time. Same era. Same exact era, and a lot of times a lot of the same musicians, which we'll delve into. But they were doing instrumental stuff. And um, there are times when... I want to have music on, whether I'm reading or I'm working on a project or something. I want to have music on, but I don't necessarily want to be inundated with lyrics. But I still want the vibe of what Yacht Rock offers. This Yacht Rock or this Yacht Jazz that we're about to talk about is a place to go. Yeah, and I find myself in a similar position because I do a lot of writing and reading for work. You can't have somebody singing in your ear when you're doing that. But you can listen to jazz and instrumental. So when you kind of introduced me to this via your awesome playlist on Spotify, which people can find, I was instantaneously hooked. And I've almost listened to nothing else since. For a few days, at least. Occasionally, I'll go into Yacht Rock when the wife's in the room because I I think she's starting to worry about me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Yacht Jazz. So it was happening at the same time, which is interesting. Um, But there's so much more to explore beyond the quote-unquote hits. And I think that's what makes this worthy of its own sort of subgenre and, like you said, a different playlist um, because of – if you just think of the hits like Herb Alpert's Rise and you don't explore his entire catalog, you're missing out. Definitely. A lot of the the bands that were making what we call the Yacht Rock records and, you know, certainly uh, Steely Dan, they 
were utilizing a lot of these musicians on their stuff. Larry uh, Carlton is famously uh, known for, he was sort of the uh, liaison between Walter Becker, Donald Fagan, and then the rest of the band. You know, they would hash it out with Larry Carlton and he'd be sent in to the guys in the studio and he would have to do all the charting out of the song, uh, give all the direction to the different players and all that stuff. But meanwhile, Larry Carlton was making his own instrumental records, you know, and very successful. But a lot of the same players were on both. Uh, they, they really specifically from the Steely Dan aspect wanted guys that had the technical ability that could play these jazz records. They didn't want just any old rock drummer or any bass player, no matter how good they may have been. They wanted specifically guys that played that and brought that texture. So this was happening at the same time. Yeah, and what's great about it, though, is as much as Yacht Rock featured great instrumentation and, and sometimes solos and things like that, Yacht Jazz allowed them to go even further and really express themselves more musically. And I'm thinking of especially when you get into like a live situation. So like Chuck Mangione's yeah. live recordings, right. you really get an appreciation for how talented these musicians were because they didn't have to fit into a formula or into a box or stay behind a lead singer. It was like, let's let it rip. Not obnoxiously right. but let's the still technically proficient and still always in control but way more expressive well part of that is also what separates it from a couple other uh, genres or whatever that you might mistake it for it is not fusion yep fusion was a genre again of instrumental and a lot of these same players granted yep. but fusion was more about the challenging aspect of the music how difficult could we make it how technical almost as if the musicians were laying down a gauntlet laying you know setting up a hurdle that they don't know if they could cross or not and then they go on to cross it yeah and it was a challenge to them and a challenge to the listener yacht jazz is more about it's still that same easy thing to listen to it's not about making your mind twist into a pretzel like you know a math rock record would where you're just you know <laughs> it's not that but it's also not smooth jazz Smooth right. jazz is all about featuring one specific lead player. And most of the music happening underneath is very watered down, typically. Um, you don't typically hear a lot of expression from the other players. If there's other players in the band, I mean, a lot of the, the smooth jazz stuff became very automated. But even then, usually the only significant soloist you would hear would be whoever the guy's face was on the front cover, right? Yep. Uh, whereas the Yacht Jazz, other players in them would get very huge roles to play. And going back to your Chuck Mangione reference, mm -hmm. in the case of those records, in the live record, after every song practically, he would announce who the players were. Yep. And they often had bigger roles to play than him. Certainly from a solo standpoint, Grant Geisman on guitar... Uh, Chris Vidala on, on everything, as mm -hmm. uh, Chuck Mangione famously would say, they had way more solo time than the lead guy. And so it was about featuring everybody, again, which goes back to what we said about Yacht Rock. Every instrument matters. Yeah, and that, which is what they would do in like the tr traditional jazz, whether it's big band jazz or small nightclub jazz. You would always, after not maybe every song, but certainly if it was a big band or a swing band, you would ask the soloist to stand up and take an applause, yes. right? Yes. And so that's, it's, it harkens more to jazz than it does to say, like you say, smooth yeah. 
jazz, like a Kenny G or something, where it's just lay something down so the featured act can solo yeah, over. Yeah, and these songs were written to be songs, too. They had distinct melodies, almost verse-chorus kind of thing that you could sing along with if you wanted to. It yeah. wasn't about, well, let's just play a quick head, as the jazz guys would say, and let's get to the soloing right away. Right. It wasn't just a vehicle for soloing. It was very much a song melodic structure and even the soloists when they would solo they were soloing typically melodically it wasn't look at all the fancy gyrations i can do but let me express myself and that's a a different thing perfect example if you want to just sort of dip your toes and make the uh segue from yacht rock to yacht jazz is look up the live version this is the hollywood bowl version of feel so good yes because you'll hear this amazing guitar solo which you could be forgiven for thinking well that guy's just riffing but he to your point it's it's a counter melody to the actual quote-unquote head that he's playing against in chuck mangioni the featured flugelhorn player is basically setting up the melody and then letting all the cats do their thing correct it's just amazing it's a work of art and you know i I brought this is not a an exact straight line but if you're younger like me and you're familiar with the jam band era this is sort of like if you took jam band you erased all the horrible vocals and you uh paid more attention to detail with the actual performances this is kind of like the grand cousin of yacht jazz because it's like let's set up some some basic melodies and then let's let the uh, go on. The song mm-hmm. could end up being 12, 15 minutes if you want it to be. And we're going to explore all these different soloists. Yeah, and that's but- usually not the case in the yacht jazz stuff. They're still sticking to the four or five minute area. So it yes. isn't long winded either. But I mean, for, for the live performances. Right, right. So yeah, the live performance might that's be different. a nine, 12 minute song. So yeah. Um, but again, much more technically proficient. But if you're like, considering is this something I'm even going to like, start with the live stuff if you have any doubt, and then you'll get perfectly hooked. But the studio stuff is brilliant and we talked about how the musicians are a lot of the same musicians you know i took a a little research did a couple of of notes and you know i followed sort of steve gadd who Mm -hmm. um again one of my favorite drummers but you know steve gadd at the same time that he was playing for al jarreau on the this time album and breaking away and all that the jay graden production he was also famously playing for Paul Simon. You know, mm-hmm. the 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. You want to hear yep. Steve Gadd's, you know, there, there's a, a drum beat where the mind has done the work before the body even sat down at the drums. So he's doing that, but at the same time, he's playing on Grover Washington's Wine Light record, you know, with just the two of us. And Chuck Mangione, playing for Chuck Mangione prior to uh, um, James Bradley Jr. taking over. So this is just one player, Steve Gadd, who is spending time with Paul Simon, Al Jarreau, and then also Chuck Mangione and... And I'll give you another example, is the Louis, you say Louis Johnson, right? I think so. Um, Who was concurrently playing on um, Off the Wall... And thriller albums in mm-hmm, pop. Right. He was playing um, I Keep Forgetting, yeah. songs like that with Michael McDonald in the yeah. yacht rock genre, but he was also one of the bassists on um, Herb Elpert's Rise album. Right. So he, he's a, 
one of many bass, and you'll you'll hear it as soon as you know what songs are him and what aren't. So, and of course, Brothers Johnson. I mean, he was right. Louis of the Brothers Johnson. Exactly. Here was the lineup on Larry Carlton's uh, one of his groundbreaking records, 1978. It has one of his big hits, Room thir- Room 335, on that. Greg Matheson on keyboards, Abe Laboreal on bass, Jeff Ricaro on drums. Paulina da Costa on percussion. I mean, these are just mainstay names yep. of Yacht Rock credits. Well, speaking of mainstay names, you would get a guy like David Sanborn playing on a not Yacht Rock or Yacht Jazz album at all, but providing a solo over maybe a more folkier song, like a Firefall song or something. Yeah. He yeah. would play the so So the, all of the stuff was commingling, which is why it's important. I think if you're really trying to expand your horizons, you kind of go through this sort of subgenre of Yacht Jazz. And again, you have a playlist on spot. Yeah, we'll link out to that. Yeah. Um, it's really it's uh, it's something you want to hit shuffle on. I don't have it, uh, you know, ordered out in any specific way. A lot of the artist stuff are clumped together. So grab that, hit hit shuffle, and uh, you'll love it. Yep. I know it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's the good place to start. I think that's where we wanted to focus today. But there's also, we could go back to Yacht Jazz if we want to. But you mentioned Grover Washington and you mm-hmm. mentioned um, some James Ingram. Yeah. There's a, maybe another subgenre, which is Yacht R&B. And again, we're just making this stuff making up. up. So yeah. you may be famous with Yacht Jazz. I don't think I'll ever be famous by coining Yacht R&B. But, I heard uh, the term Yacht Soul today. So maybe somebody still Yacht Soul. Yeah. Um, Ray Parker, who a right. lot of people Ray know, Dio, <laughs> right? Yeah, yep. that's uh, one that immediately pops to mind for me. Who else in that genre would you put? Um, of course, yeah. well, people put certain songs from Earth, Wind, and Fire in there. Yep, for yeah. sure. Well, for uh, example, uh, was Earth, Wind, and Fire after the Love Is Gone? Right? Yeah. Well, there's an interesting story about that song as well. Um, there is an interesting, interesting story about that. About um, you know David Foster and uh, Bill Champlin co-wrote that. And, and Jay Graydon, too. And Jay Graydon. And, uh, yeah, somehow it got in front of uh, Maurice White. And, um, I think that was prior to it having lyrics, but they had the the music going, and Maurice White was really digging on it. And so they had to rush Bill Champlin in to start helping them with lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> but yet they had to, um, they had to uh, break it to Bill that Bill wanted to record it first. But once Maurice White, got a hold of it and decided they were going to do it for Earth, Wind, and Fire, then, uh, you know, that was, the horse had left the barn at that point, and it was all in on that, and um, David Foster didn't want to have to tell Bill Champlin that uh, his version wasn't going to make the record, and so he told Jay Graydon, you have to go tell him. <laughs> so Jay was the messenger. Something to that effect. Yeah, I don't he, have all the details of the story in front of me, but it is pretty funny. And he, Yes. Um Thankfully, the messenger did not get shot. James Ingram, I mean, he's certainly... Yeah, and he's kind of off the Quincy shoot as we talk about the different yep. tendrils. Yeah, it's interesting. And Patty how, Austin as well. Yeah, Patty Austin. But it's interesting how there was, not a torch passing, but it was sort of like a handoff from, 
this is getting, you could correct me on the history of this, but you had Yacht Rock happening in, by the mid-80s, then you had Quincy, who had, had really established a ra- yes. track record for being a producer and songwriter through Michael Jackson and others, but there was also, oh, there, what was interesting is how that overlaps. Well, by then, he had launched his own record label, too, so uh, Q West Records, and famously, the first record cut and released by Q West Records was uh, Give Me the Night by George Benson. Oh, so awesome. George Benson is sort of a mainstay with Breezin in this masquerade for Yacht Rock. And then the Give Me the Night album came out. Uh, and it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful record. But it's one of those that probably sits on the perimeter of whether people think it's all Yacht Rock or not. you know. But it's certainly got all of those elements in a more R&B side of things. But it's it, it belongs to me. But it's, it is... Un- it's unquestionably Quincy sounding, and Quincy sound is different than what Jay Graydon and David Foster and those guys totally. were doing. Yep, even with some of the same players. But then, you know, yes. obviously George Benson belongs in the yacht jazz category too. Just, he does with his right, totally accomplished guitar playing on his records. It's just amazing. Yeah, we had a few other artists that we had added to the the list that we talked about. Um, it was it's cool in the gang. Do they have some stuff that would fit into yacht R and B? Too Hot is one that I come up with a lot, definitely. Um, Some people I've heard, uh, like Joanna, people asking about that one. Oh, yeah, right. But, but, you know, they were produced, at least for a period of time, by uh, Ymir Diodato. And Diodato is another jazz guy that lives with the whole Yacht Jazz crew. So Commodores, obviously, because they get, you know, Sail On and um, Easy are standards in the yacht yeah. rock genre. But and Running With The Night is another one you hear a lot. And I think a lot of that is because you you, you got to hear Luke at their solo at the end. <laughs> yeah. But supposedly, he, uh, uh, that was supposedly not, not just first take, but what they called take zero, which uh, mm. he was supposedly set up and... Yeah, run it down for me and let me play along a little bit to get the vibe. And, you know, like any good engineer does, you hit record on everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess he must have played, my guess is that he played the ending, the play out first, because there's a longer section for him to riff with. And he got to the end of that and they said, yep, we got it. Let's go back and cut the regular solo now. And he's like, what do you mean we got it? Right. You know? Well, in going to that, the book that you read, it was amazing how few takes they needed to get perfection in the Yacht Rock. Yeah, Steve Luther says that really with this gang, they would get together and because they all knew each other. They knew how to talk through what they were going to do, and then they would sit down and play. And when they would when they would hit record, he said, "Any beyond the second take, you were getting diminishing returns God, with these amazing. guys every time. God, I get diminished returns not until the 50th take. Oh, I'm on the first. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty <laughs> diminished. Um well, let's move over to a, a an adjacent subgenre where maybe there's not as much emphasis on musicianship. I call it yacht pop. You call it AC because that was the format at the time. Don't contemporary. contemporary. Yeah. It was more of a pop genre. This is the stuff you'd hear on easy listening stations and a lot of AM stuff. A lot of AM gold stations, yes. as they like to call themselves. Play. So that's why I called it AC Gold on my playlist. But that's worth exploring as well. And what's interesting is you'll get a lot of the same players, do you not? And but they are able to kind of sit back and not be featured or it's a yeah, different player. Yeah, this players. is a genre that I think where the instrumentalists aren't expected to jump out of the mix at you anymore. It still required great technical players. I mean, because a lot of the chord progressions and things, we're talking, uh, for perspective, we're talking things like maybe the, the Comet, uh, not the Commodores, the Carpenters, excuse mm-hmm. me. The Carpenters stuff, Captain and Tennille. Um, Some Olivia Newton-John, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Melissa Manchester. Um, is this know, where you think Linda Ronstadt belongs? Yeah. 
mm, maybe more like the West because I put her in with the Eagles and Jackson Brown and okay. uh, J.D. Souther and people like that. Um, but this is a lot more like the stuff that uh, your parents would have listened to. Yes. Uh, um, you know, Barbara Streisand, things like that fit in here. So, But it required the same level of musicianship, but the musicians were expected to be part of a whole that was a background to support the lead singer. It mm-hmm. wasn't about, oh, listen to what that bass player's doing, you know, though they're the same equal caliber players. And I remember reading um, uh, one of the Carpenter songs that uh, was released that didn't chart as well as they expected because radio wouldn't play it. And the reason radio wouldn't play it is because, God forbid, there was a fuzz guitar solo in oh, it. Boy. And so they wouldn't touch it, you know. Yeah. So that that's kind of where that genre was going. But we're talking the same brilliant songwriters, people like uh, Burt Backrack and yes. Neil Sedak and oh. stuff. And they wrote these melodies and these chord progressions that were every bit as interesting and sophisticated, but just produced differently it, i'll sound really old but it's so true they don't write melodies like that anymore the idea i mean it's some of pop music starting to get back to trying to you know create really hooky melodies but for the longest time i'll say all of the 90s and most of the 2000s the rock genre was all about creating like these sort of counter um melody sort of dissonant sounding yeah. hooks and it's like the hook was too easy so you tried to create something that was catchy without being hooky and back then it was like let's write the hook and they're beautiful Neil Sedaka yeah, yeah. singing in the rain or, right. or, or uh, laughter in the rain laughter in the rain yeah. it's just that. that's on my they, yacht rock um, even though I know it's yacht pop really since the 2000s and this will sound you know like old guy again but really since the 2000s we've been there's been all kinds of things written about this we've been Writing with the same four chords, mm-hmm. you know, it's the one, the five, the six minor, and the four in in any order you want to do, but they're all four chords that are in the same diatonic key, and that restricts your melody to the, the basically the seven notes of that key. Yeah, seven notes, you know. Whereas the sophistication of what these writers understood was how to move from key to key, how to have these transitional chords, how to take what they learned from jazz theory. And incorporated into popular music, and that allowed their melodies to go to all kinds of different places, and not just stick within seven notes. And you have appreciation for that as a songwriter. Just last night, I was listening to uh, "You're So Vain" by Carly Simon, mm-hmm. and the, like the the recognizable and memorable hook of the chorus isn't that complex, but right. the pre-chorus has this weird thing where she's kind of up high and then goes right down. Yeah. And as a songwriter myself, I would have never written that, but. And I, I kick myself because I can't think of those types of that dynamic or dynamics between a high register and then going down. Yeah, and Billy Joel did that a lot. But I think, it, like you said, it comes to if you can think creatively and sophisticatedly about the chord structure, then you're able to do that with the melody as well. Yes. Well, I, I've got something else to bring up. What you have to hear me out, though. Okay. Is there such thing as yacht country? Don't throw that shoe. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason I ask, yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have the to reason go into I that. ask, I'm listening to Yacht Rock Miami again, which is my go-to source for variety and deep cuts. Yes, yes. And yes. I hear a song, and I'm like, "Dude, this is a really cool song." But my phone's over there. Let me go see what it is. And it's explicitly Yacht Rock for all the reasons that we've said in our previous episode. There's no doubting that the sound is Yacht Rock. And I look at the artist, and it's Glenn Campbell with Tanya Tucker. And wow. the song is "Why Don't We Sleep on It Today." Yeah. 
Is that not Yacht Rock? It is. It is. But it's yeah. by country artists. Yeah. I would never go searching my Glenn Campbell catalog to see what I can add to my Yacht Rock yeah, list. But, but that, that song belongs, and kudos sure. to the Yacht Rock Miami guys for finding it. And that's what led me think, okay, what else might belong in this Yacht Country genre? Trust me, I'm not going to go too far here because I'm not a country fan, but certainly most of Eddie Rabbit's catalog, certainly, you know, Love a Rainy Night was a pop song, mm-hmm. but that had country vibe to it. Um yeah, I love Step by Step. Um, yeah. I know that people love Suspicions, and Suspicions, rightfully so, is included in most decent Yacht Rock playlists. Yep. But yeah, um, Eddie Rabbit, definitely. And then when I heard, um, it's funny, I heard somebody complaining at this, about this song, <laughs> wanting to kill it from all Yacht Rock compilations, um, Skyrockets at Night. Oh. by uh, Starlin Vocal Band. Uh, and I can see why she wanted delight. to yeah. kill it. Yeah. Is it Afternoon Delight? Is That's that- what it's called, yeah. But the, it's very country-esque. Skyrockets in flight Afternoon delight It is, but man, it, it was so huge at the time. I would put that, in fact, it is in my AC Gold thing. I mean, okay. I, I, I think it, there is so much nostalgia to that song. I'm not sure that I love the song as much as I love hearing it because of the nostalgia. Same here. But I would put that much more in a... You know, a disco area of my adult contemporary than I would yacht. Listen to the intonation of her voice when she sings it and the the rhythm behind her, and you'll swear you're at a hoedown, though. I swear <laughs> to God. So that's why I thought there may be a subgenre okay. of yacht country. We'd have to work hard to create it and find songs to add to it. But you know, if nothing else, take the opportunity to go listen to that Glenn Campbell song, which you can find on Spotify. Yep. All right. Have we explored all of the subgenres? I think it's lightning round time. Yes, we yeah, it I is. Think it is. So I think I'm going to quiz you first on lightning oh, round. All right. How does that sound? I think that sounds lovely. Okay. So our three rounds of lightning round are: is it yacht or is it not? Right. Uh, that could be a song or an, or a, an artist. Um, buried treasures, which I think is my favorite part, is that's yeah. finding an obscure song artist. Um, that is in the yacht rock genre, but maybe they don't play enough, and you right. should add to your playlist. And then we have the sort of other third round, which is songs that maybe actually do belong outside of you know the yacht rock canon, either because they're in the wrong era, they're by the wrong artists, or what may have you. But adding this song to your collection uh, of yacht rock, it, it will fit right in, right. it'll play smoothly, and it's worth adding. So let's start at the top. Okay. Lightning round. Is it yacht or is it not? Um, I'm going to fire one at you, mm-hmm. and it, I have an artist. And I know what the gut tells you, but I don't think rationalizing it even helps. So let me okay. throw it at you. Let me get your gut, and then we'll try to rationalize it. The artist is Super Tramp. Gut is definitely no. Um, they certainly have the sophistication and the smoothness and the recording quality. Um, I don't. I, I don't Which, know if I can make the case why not, other than the gut says so. That's where I'm at. If I start breaking it down, I hear you know, like you said, it's got a, the light feel. It's got sophistication. I'm thinking specifically of a song uh, like "Take the Long Way Home." It's got all of the elements, but Super Tramp just doesn't fit for me at all. So I, yeah, I, but I could see, uh, even though it's not going to be one of our song suggestions, I could see a song like "It's Raining Again" fitting yes. in a yacht rock playlist. Yep. So exactly. So we're gonna go not on that. I think collectively, right? Yes. Okay. Mine is an artist also, um, and this kind of delves into the question that we understand that certain artists will have periods of their catalog that are or are not yacht rock, and um, 
so, but what I'm, I guess I'm asking in this case is we know that two of the songs specifically from this artist are huge Yacht Rock staples. Does that make this artist a Yacht Rock artist in your view when you factor in the rest of their catalog? And that would be Poco. Oh. Crazy That's, Love and Heart of the Night are yes. obvious. They're so good. They have to be in it. So, like... I, I, for them, and it's similar for me for Ambrosia, which is, I'm not going to ask any questions beyond the it feels right, so I'm just going to do it. Okay. Uh, so, so definitely Yacht for me. What about you? Definitely for me. Even some of the stuff, like I love to hear like Rose's Cimarron when that comes in. I put that in with my list. and um, I'm, I'm a yes on them, even though I recognize that they're a lot more folky. But, you know, Loggins and Messina are pretty folky, too, and they're a, a 100% yes Yes, exactly. So. All right. Okay, so Buried Treasure. Buried Treasure. You want to go first? I'm going to offer up my Buried Treasure. is from a Yacht Rock artist uh, mainstay in my book, Firefall. Mm. Their first album, and I'm, I'm a vinyl guy, so side one, you know, a great rock record always ends with a, a like a, usually a ballad that's yep. a nugget mm-hmm. at the end of side one, and this is uh, no different. There's a song called Dolphin's Lullaby on there, and it has two different time signatures in it. Um, it sounds like to me like the songwriter is writing this to his child, writing his own personal lullaby to his child. Um, and he's uh, just talking about he wants to sing them the lullaby that was sung to him when he was a kid. And it's just, it's a really, really great, great song. Singing dolphins over the Awesome. I will check it out. All right. I just kind of I gave earlier a little sneak peek into my buried treasure. And maybe this isn't that buried for some, but for me it is because you think of the artist and you know the hits. And then I even asked you about this artist. Is the rest of the stuff good? And you said it's good, but it doesn't fit in Yacht Rock. Um, and the artist is Ambrosia. And everyone knows the hits, How Much I Feel, Biggest Part of Me, Yes, You're the Only Woman. Those belong. They're like part of my favorite core of what Yacht Rock is and should be. Is everything that. Yacht Rock is, for sure. But there's an additional one out there. There mm-hmm. is another um, that I don't see often played, and it is Holding On to Yesterday, mm-hmm. which that song is, in fact, that's an earworm. Play a little of Holding On to Yesterday and just listen to how this just gets under your skin. Well, I keep Smooth. That is yacht rock. That belongs harmonies in, to yeah, for days. Amazing. Right? Yeah. So you got to unbury that treasure if it's buried for you. Alan Parsons producing them at the time. You so can, you can hear it. Yeah, you yeah, can for sure. Okay, and then last but not least, let's build this uh, playlist with some additional adjacent songs and explain again what this is. These are songs that uh, maybe typically wouldn't have been considered. Yacht rock because the art, you know, maybe the artist is not considered a yacht rock artist, or maybe it's a contemporary song. So it lives well outside of the heyday of yacht rock. But something that we know typically doesn't show up in yacht rock lists, but yet we think because of the vibe of the song, the feel of the song, it would fit in nicely. And so if you're looking to grow your list so you don't have to hear the same 200 songs over and over again, these are some suggestions to add. I think I'm going to go with. Even though this is sort of an offshoot Yacht Rock artist, I'm not sure that this song really gets the recognition and gets included. I don't think Manhattan Transfer often gets put in there because mm. they're a little bit 
more in that vocal group thing as opposed to feeling that yacht rock. So I'm going to go with the song called Spice of Life from the Bodies and Souls album. And I'm going to say, put that one in there. It has everything that you'd want. I think the problem with Manhattan Transfer, at least for me, and I bet a lot of people, is their most popular songs are they're undoing. They're too kitschy. There's like, <laughs> and that's what you get to know about them. But if you take those out. Yeah, um, that would not be the case with Spices of Life. Yeah, then you really have Spice an appreciation life, for me. it. Yep, yep. All right, I'm going way off the reservation for my song. And by that, I mean I'm way up in the year 2003. Mm-hmm. So this is an era that is still kind of um, the wind down of the 90s grunge and the 90s alternative rock era. This band was sort of that. Um, but the more I learned about the uh, lead singer in the membership, I think they uh, had a bigger appreciation for more genres, uh, more styles, and they explored their creativity a little bit more. And um, had the iPod on shuffle, the song comes up. It's The band is Fountains of Wayne. Oh, yeah. The song is Halley's Waitress, mm-hmm. or Haley's Waitress. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how to pronounce it. But this is my post-immersion um, phase of, of Yacht Rock, and I was like, wow, this sounds like Yacht Rock. And not at, initially right at first, but as it gets into the chorus, and there's this groovy sort of wah-wah guitar mm-hmm. part over some strings and some lush harmonies, and it's like, wow, this sounds like it could be Yacht Rock. So I would add that. And when she And you knew the song, and you, yep. you would agree with it. Yes, I would. Yep. Yep. So 2003 was not a place I expected to find a buried treasure no. or Yacht Rock, but there it is. All right, so I think before we wrap up, we would be remiss if we didn't emphasize one of the probably most recognized, or uh, what's the word I want, iconic representations of what yacht jazz is okay which are all over your playlist but we didn't specifically reference them and you said you just take the entire catalog and throw it in there and that's spirogyra uh at least all of their 80s stuff they've done some stuff since then but they did what maybe seven or eight records in the 80s maybe more than that because they started probably in the very late 70s and um had the i guess you could call it a hit with morning dance and mm-hmm. but you can take any of those records any song and it's going to give you that distinctive Spirogyra vibe. I mean, you take the look at the cover mm-hmm. of the Morning Dance album, and that is what Spirogyra sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want to talk about perfect cover art, but they are just they so melodic, so tight, so clever, so everything that we talk about with yacht rock and yacht jazz. And Jay Beckenstein's tone on his alto sax is a definitive tone of what a singing alto sax needs to sound like in that era. And plus all of the expert musicianship that go like the bass line is phenomenal. Yeah. The drums are phenomenal. All of it is just so good. So and none of it's long winded stuff where you just get bored with it. No, it's not, not at, at all. all. Not at all. So there you go. Yacht jazz variations on a theme. Episode three is in the captain's log. Pun alert. <laughs> <laughs> Until then next time we will see you. On Out of the Main. 